Welcome to Beauty as a Birthright, a podcast where we decode the evolving concept of beauty from a multidimensional lens. In this space, we embark on a journey with engaging guests from all walks of life to figure out if beauty is a birthright, then what's our legacy? So let's get started. So we just got off of our episode with Leah, who is a Bay Area native. She'd recently graduated from UCLA and majored in gender studies multiracial, multicultural. And it was fun because Leah was talking about detoxing from her long academic journey. So we had tons of fun. Leah was an intern on our podcast for a few weeks and we got to know her in that capacity. And it was awesome to talk to her within the context of our podcast. So hi, Tamsin. Hi, Paige. How is everything? Good. Uh, I love Leah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, you know, even though she worked with us on a podcast, we, we have such short t- amount of time with these UCLA interns. And like, I felt like I didn't really get to know who she really was until she interviewed me for her class. And mm-hmm. she asked like incredible thoughtful conversation uh, questions And then we were able to just have a conversation about our life and, and then have, and having her on a guest was just awesome just to like, get to know her more because she just like, her life is starting. Like she just graduated. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) The whole life is ahead of her. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it, it made me think about like, wow, like I remember when I was her age, (laughs) it sounds so old. (laughs) (laughs) but I remember her age and it's like you don't it's like you know but I think you know she's like she comes from a different generation so it's like a totally different outlook you know what was right what came up for you when you were talking to Leah oh there was like well you know one of the last questions was asking about the Bay Area culture versus the LA culture oh yeah and I have a lot of friends that a lot of close friends that ended up in LA either for college or in their careers. A few Wait, have, have you spent time in LA? Yes. Okay. Um, I've never lived there, but mm-hmm. I've visited friends and um, some of my friends have changed from living there and some have not. So I just didn't know how much of the stereotypes were true, mm-hmm. but then to hear Leah speak about in LA, just, the way that people like to show off designer things and dress a certain way and talk about who knows who and talk about like celebrity encounters and relationships like that just sounded so exhausting to me and so like um (laughs) right I don't know so that's something that like I just kept thinking about afterward I was like I can't imagine what that's like even just going on a walk and having to like feel like extra pressure on your walk. I don't know. I could just be like over romanticizing like like what she said versus like what I see on TV and like mashing it all together mm. in like a really ugly way. But that was strange to me. But you seem to kind of understand what she was talking about because of your time in New York City and other big cities. I know, you New York is really- so different. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, New York is similar in terms of LA that it is about connections and who, you know, but I think like real, I think when you real New Yorkers don't care, like we don't give a shit about anything. (laughs) Like I don't give a shit who, you know, or what, you know. Uh, And so there's always that like cool factor, like, 
we're better than you. Like it doesn't matter. You know, like money doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Fame doesn't matter. I think the newer New Yorkers, that's what they really are obsessed with. But like old school New Yorkers, because there's, there's so little of us and I don't even live there anymore, but there's so little of <clears throat> old school New Yorkers in New York that it's like, it's it, when you grow up, like in that city, not, it's, it's not like you take it. I think, yeah, you do take it for granted that you, you grow up as a kid in this incredible city. Like this is your playground. Right. 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 But when I went to LA for the first time, when I was like 15 or 16, um, I went there for a, a program, like a summer program. And I was like, this is a whole other world. Like this is not New Yorkers don't like LA. If you're a New Yorker, it's very hard to live in LA. And I think LAers, it's New York is grimy and dirty and mm-hmm, urban. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think LA culture sounds a little like Korean culture. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so spot on. <laughs> Don't hate me, Koreans. <laughs> Don't come at me in my DMs. <laughs> but all about designer, all about, you know, what handbag, you know, you have, what shoes you have, all about plastic surgery, where it's so normalized. Like, mm-hmm. I think Korean culture is still Asian. So it's like, there is that, like, um, you're not going to have like little kids get plastic surgery, but that doesn't mean that you're not, you nobody talks about it. Like as a kid, everyone talks about it. Right. But, um, it, it's like, uh, the, I think the thing that hit me was like the plastic surgery and like the fillers and Botox is just so normal. It's like saying like, I'm going to yoga, I'm getting my lip fillers in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that scares that, me. Right. <laughs> and then what about what's the, in Seattle, that's oh. really d- different, right? It's definitely <laughs> more like outdoorsy Patagonia, North Face type. Yeah, but I guess you have a little bit of oh, there's that. there's tech money. You have a little bit of that like fillers and plastic surgery because we have like, you know, we've got rich Asians, which is like something rich tech Asians, which is something I, I wasn't like aware of. So like there are places like Bellevue and like it, it's here, but um. I think also the weather, like in LA, it's warm. So like your yeah. body matters, right? right? Cause you're wearing all these skimpy clothes cause it's hot outside. But I don't know. I kept, I kept thinking about that too. Like if that was the pressure to look a certain way, that would be really hard. Cause in New York, that's the thing. You can just go out in your pajamas and go to the grocery store. Nobody cares, you know? But in LA, you probably can't do that. Uh, in Korea, you definitely can't do that. <laughs> and just, it is a lot of pressure and of how you're supposed to look. And yeah, just, I don't know. It's scared. I don't know why it scares me. Cause it's like, you know, whatever, do whatever you want to your body. But mm-hmm. I, I get scared at the thought like that, that could possibly be me being so obsessed with how I look. I see. I always think of those things as like a barrier, putting up a protection barrier between like you and society or you and your friend or your loved one or work. I always feel like in Hawaii, we're so casual. And when people get really dressed up, 
and and this goes like across the board no matter where you are but when you get dressed up I feel like you have a different persona um and so immediately like a barrier comes up or like a wall comes up and you're no longer act interacting with just that person you're interacting with that person and their handbag or and their lots of makeup and their really nice clothes and it just shifts the dynamic and for me personally who's so sensitive to connection I love those things to come down and come off so that I can like really connect with someone and I think too and you probably have you know, more to say as a face reader, but when people are also doing a lot of cosmetic procedures, I get the same feeling. I feel like barriers. they're just kind of, yes, they're putting mm-hmm. a lot of things in between who they really are and then the outside world and how they interface with it. And I yeah. notice it all the time in clinic um, wow. when patients come in. Yeah. And I had, I recently had this she's gonna she's a bride and she was coming in because she wanted to do facial rejuvenation and microneedling she was really interested in it but she had all the work done face and body and we just couldn't connect we couldn't hit it off I felt like whatever I would say she wasn't really landing anywhere with her how she never came she never came back um early late 20s early 30s Uh uh-huh well, late twenties. I mean, that's the crazy thing. I always look on Instagram and like, I saw this girl, she's like 21, 22 getting Botox. And I was like, but why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, how could you possibly, right. why would you need it at that right. young age? Well, they're, but the thing is the marketing now, they're, they're marketing it for quote unquote prevention. prevention. They're like, if you get it now, the wrinkles will never develop. And then yeah, you just then keep getting the rest it. of your life. You're supposed to exactly. do exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but do you like, do you feel the same way? Do you kind of like, you know, what I was sharing about that boundary or barrier that people are putting up, I feel like is up when they get a lot of work done or dress a certain way. See with dressing, right. I love maybe because I grew up with people who are in fashion that it's like, it was very mixed. Like you wear high end with low end. It's like, whatever looks good, that's fashion, you know? And that to me has always been fashion. Like I can't stand when people are like so label heavy, you know? I had a friend, ex-wife, man, she was such a label whore, like, and so snotty about it for everything. And uh, I mean, it's going to sound so bitchy, but she wasn't even that cute. So it's like, what are you starting to spend all this money for? <laughs> like, you're not even this cute. <laughs> but like just looking down on people because they're not wearing labels and then like obsessed with handbags. I don't understand Asians with handbags. I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't really don't get it. Like I look at handbags. I'm like, cool. Okay. Yeah. But like, you know, like Asians like collect them. Like, yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so, but what I do, I love when people dress up because I do like that you get to see this other side of them. And I like that part of dressing up too. And, um, and you do walk a certain different way and you, you do act a certain different way. And I love that. And I love it when they're still as real. It's not like they're a different person. It's just a different aspect of who they are. And I get mm-hmm. to see that and they're still real. But I hear you when you say like, there are all those people that just, you know, they, they're, they turn to a completely different person in a right. more negative way. And then with, uh, 
you know, with face reading, it's like people, I, um, if you change the bone structure of your face, that has more of an impact on your Tao because you're changing the water element. You're changing your Jing yep, physically, right? right? You're, um, and so with that, I have a lot more uh, empathy or like open-mindedness about it because it's like, I don't know, maybe you're born into this life and you're not ready to live the life that you're meant to have. And that's your choice because nothing is by fate. Everything is destiny. Mm -hmm. And so- you can choose to change your nose or your jawline because you're not comfortable with being a leader or um, being more of a masculine energy or whatever. And then, and then to me, it's like, then you have to understand like how that's going to change your purpose in life and then go with it. Like, you know, start your track. And to me, that's, that is another sense of like reclaiming your face, but Botox and fillers do nothing. <laughs> to your face or and what it does it like it makes it it's really I don't know what to say it's like the way that I was taught is you have to be much more um careful about Botox and fillers because it's giving a false illusion to the world so right. for example it's like lip fillers are like the biggest thing like having these plump big lips mm -hmm. but in face reading that indicates that you know, you're a very sensual person. You're very romantic. You give gifts like words of gifts or actual physical gifts to people. You're a very giving person. You have a lot of earth element. You're like, um, probably a good caretaker and nourishing, but when you get those fillers, it's just a false illusion. So you're, you're actually not anything like that. Right. And then right. you, and people perceive you that way. And so you start acting like that, but it drains you because that's not who you are. Right. I also always saw it as like, or at least the patients that would come into my clinic is someone who had a lot to say and was not able to say it. <clears throat> and so they get these fillers to then compensate for that, to feel like they said it or they had their voice or they spoke their truth, but they really didn't. So again, that false illusion part, but you know what? I'm interested in thinking about with you right now is when everyone gets the same type of oh, look. Yeah. yeah. What does that do on the mass societal level if yeah. everyone's getting this exact same nose and eyes and lips? You mean like Korea? <laughs> yes. That's what I thought of, you know. But like, how does that affect the masses? It's like, like, do people really even more so develop like herd mentality? And then, like, how does that? What's the ramifications down the road for those types of societies or subcultures? I think it, it's interesting. It happens in, I can't speak for other Asian country, but it happens in Korea because it is part of Asia. And if you look at the history of Korea, it's very Confucian, right? Mm -hmm. And so Confucian is all about the collective. Everybody thinks the same. There's a set of rules of how to behave in society. It's very strict, right? And so it makes sense that like, that's what people are drawn to because that's the history of the country. And you can see Asian, oh man, my favorite is Asians that grew up in Asia and their eyebrows versus Asian Americans' eyebrows. Oh my gosh, yes. Townsend, yes. <laughs> no one's brought that up before. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. And then our preference for the type of eyebrows, like 
I'm just looking at your brows. It's like, I can already tell you grew up in the States or like you grew up in the West, you know, because Asian from Asia, their eyebrows, and it's not even the way they pluck it. It's like just the shape of it. It's much more, it's, it's a line. It's linear. Yes. Right. And that's all about like being, you know, not disrupting group mentality, um, you know, being more, um, thinking about the group, thinking about the collective. And that goes into like, maybe it takes a little bit longer for you to make a decision because you're not used to thinking on your own. And when the West, it's all about like me, 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 we, it's an I society, whereas mm-hmm. in Asia, it's a we society. And yeah, that's the other thing about plastic surgery. It's like, if you're going to get plastic surgery, like get it something that like looks good on your face for your own face, rather than just this one size fits all because uh, that right. totally affects the mentality of a culture, I think, and a society. Right. Well, so when you think of like LA and I feel like the Kardashians are what everyone's aspiring for yeah. when they get plastic surgery. <clears throat> um, so like if a whole population gets that same look and body, what does that mean? Right. And I'm like, I mean, I don't expect you to have the answers right now, but I, and I want to talk to you about it together. If we can both like think about that, but it's just really, yeah. Cause those features, so very big voluptuous lips, the cat eye, which we've talked about before being very problematic, these high cheekbones, this like very um with the high cheekbones comes this like very dramatic like line cheek line and jawline and then kind of like an ethnic but really well-shaped nose and then of course like the big the big bust the teeny waist the big bottom the thin thighs yeah I don't it's know. like <laughs> and you know what I see it's like now that like everyone has that look to me, it's, it's not attractive. Like, it just seems like, okay. Like, and it goes for like Korean culture too. Like my mom will show me pictures of celebrities. Do you think she's pretty? Do you think she's pretty? She does this all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's like, but everyone in Korea says like, she's the most beautiful. I'm like, but she looks like everybody else. Right. And then the ones I, the celebrities I do like are the ones that look very different. Like their feature is is it's just different. And it's like, oh, I think she's really pretty. And she's like, what? Nobody thinks she's pretty. And, and so with the whole Kardashian look in LA, eh, I just feel like I'm at first you're like, whoa, this is hot. Cause this is just, it's a lot. Right. But then when you see everyone look that way, I'm just like, but everyone looks like this. So it's not that interesting, but I'm not attracted to women. So it's like, I want to know what a guy mm. thinks. Oh yeah. That's and really I think about guys, boys growing up thinking that this is what women look like, you know? And it's like, I was listening to this other podcast with two guys and they were talking about how younger guys don't really know what a woman's body is supposed to look like because they just grew up on Instagram. And Oh God, that's so terrifying. Yeah. And these two guys, like they love all different types of women's bodies, like tiny to really big. 
and and they're like yeah they you know they're talking about guys uh, um leaving comments on girls like po- posts saying they're like oh look at this cellulite it's so gross and then two guys were like uh every woman has cellulite like that's what makes a woman <laughs> you know right. and then, and like and I was like, yeah, I feel like a lot of boys are now growing up thinking that with all the filters and all of that on Instagram, like a really warped sense of what a woman's supposed to look like. That's so scary. Cause we've always had that. In, yeah. And we've always had that in society, but on such a smaller scale. So when we think of like playboy in the seventies or whatever it was, you, there would be maybe like three like to 10 images and those women back then were more curvy and then I don't think they had the same they technology yeah they right. all looked somewhat different right and then now it's literally at your fingertips thousands upon thousands of the exact same look because of the using the same filter and oh gosh that's really upsetting and I didn't think about it either like to that extent yeah yeah so yeah (laughs) I think that's made me really be more drawn to people's individual beauty like I met Mm -hmm. somebody who I've told you about (laughs) in the last week or two with a lot of stuff and I was like I don't think she's that beautiful but I know society would say she's very beautiful and I had to check with myself. And I'm like, am I jealous? Is this why? And I kept thinking like, no, I actually don't think she's that beautiful. I think she looks like everybody else. Whereas someone like Leah, I think she's gorgeous and beautiful. But she yeah, also looks Leah like the future. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. She looks like the future. I love <laughs> I loved how you said that. You were like all of these multi-races, like this yeah. is what the future human looks like. Yeah, like you're not really supposed to be mixing DNA with the same line of your own family line. You know, that never works out well. And like right. just all different cultures. And I feel like that her generation really embraces that. They're, you know, because they are multicultural. So they look very different from the rest of us. And I think that goes with how they think about their body, how they think about fashion, how they think. We're well, going back to like, how does your face impact culture and society? I think that generation, like it impacts the way they think about the world. And we've talked about this, like they don't think in a very binary way. How could they, right. if they're so multicultural? Right. That's really interesting. Cause I think you and I, I mean, you have one majority race, right? Korean. And then I only have two. And then, so we can kind of pull at those features like, Oh, I have this part of me is that this, like, you might be like, this part of me is more Northern. This part of me is more Southern. And I might be like, this part of me is more Chinese. This part of me is more white. But for them, when you have so many four to five, I think you stop pulling from that narrative and you're just like, this is just me. Yeah. Like Kyle's episode. Yes. And it's like, I'm these things. And that change of perspective of like, you are influencing your look versus your look is influencing you. There's this like powerful thing in there. Yeah. I think also they, sorry, go. No, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And I think because their parents came together like on purpose, like, okay. So I did my 23 and me thing 
Cause I was like, all right. I, cause my mom does not look Korean whatsoever. Even Korean people don't look. And so I wanted to know, and like, I need her to take it because sometimes the gene doesn't come, the DNA doesn't come to the right, kids, right. but she won't take it <laughs> because she knows she's not. <laughs> but, um, and I was like, I expected to see Korean Chinese. I expected to see Chinese more. And I, I got Mongolian, which was like, yes, I love Mongolian features. I've mm-hmm. always loved it. And then I got a lot of Japanese percentage. And Whoa. yeah, and that I had to unpack because yeah. just the history of it. I was just like, what? And I didn't think, I thought I would have more Chinese blood. I don't even know if I had any Chinese blood. I don't think so. What percentage was the Japanese? Uh, I can't remember, but like double digits. Wow. So like one of your parents could be close to half. Maybe, but that can only have happened through rape. Right. No, exactly. That's why this is really like, oh my God. I mean, you know, like my other friend, he got it too. He's Korean. And when he told me that I was like, yo, I mean, how is this impacting you? And he's like, well, he's like, my sister said the same thing. He's like, but I think it might've been like for love. I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, you're much more of a romantic optimist than me. I mean, like maybe, but uh, <laughs> historically I'm not sure. <laughs> right. So like what right? conditions would have to have allowed for love. Exactly. And, yeah. and so that, and to me, I, it was like such a shock, like um, where I think, I think with somebody like Leah, who's multicultural and her, her parents are much younger. It's like, they came together, like this, just who they are. Right. Right. By choice. Yeah. And I think a lot of us who are older, when we do see mixed blood in our, in our DNA, it's not, it's usually not by choice. Yeah. Right. Wow. And then how that influences everything, right? Cause it's like epigenetics too. So it's like your environment, your thoughts, all yeah. of those things inf- go into writing your well, DNA. It made, it kind of made sense. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I was always drawn to like Japanese culture. Like my meditation practice is Zen. It's Japanese um, meditation. Right. And like, I love minimalism. I love the art of like, I, uh, there are certain things about Japanese culture that I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's so wild. And then, you know, it goes all the way back to Africa, right? So they bring you right. all the way back. And then, uh, and then I found out that where my people come from is like East Africa. And I'm like, well, that makes sense too, because I'm always, I was always drawn to East African instruments for some weird reason. I was in a music mm. shop once and I would, mm-hmm. I was playing these instruments and I kept going to these instruments and the shop owner is like, you're like drawn to specifically East African instruments. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I didn't know. I'm just like playing these things. So I think, yeah, maybe, you know, it's in our jing, it's in our essence somewhere that we're drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Right. But then I was thinking too, like how you came about with that mix, there was likely resistant trauma and um, not consent, maybe, I don't know. But then when it comes to Leah and how, her makeup was made specifically, there was more, well, what we believe to be more choice and um, free will and those things. 
and then how that influences like our generation versus her generation and the things that we've talked about, like how all we are and how we orient with the world versus how they are and how they orient with the world is so different and yeah. it's very related to that whole lineage. Even what she studies, gender studies. I'm like, did we even have this in school <laughs> when I was in school? Because I would have told, maybe not. I'm always like such a nutcase at her age. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have thought, you probably wouldn't have known the value of it. You know what I mean? No. Not a knock on you, but just like knowing. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But well, and it other- reminds me of, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go on, Tamsin. Oh, uh, well, this reminds me of like, um, I was talking to a friend and we were talking about like scarcity mentality and uh, softening. And we were talking about how like the younger generation is all about the soft life, like how to live a soft <laughs> life. <right>? And <laughs> I think I'm like, I'm with it. I want to live soft. <laughs> I think like you hit your forties and you're like, whoa, once you hit your forties, it's like, you are closer to death than closer to life. So right. you have, you're like heading towards death actually. So you got to like figure, I think it changes your mentality and being like, okay, so now like that now, what do I want life to be? Whereas before that you're, you're, it's like, you're living life to the peak. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but when you're heading towards death, you don't really have a lot more time. So it's like, what are you going to do with the rest of this time here? And so we were talking about like softening and the younger generation and scarcity mentality. And she was saying, she's like, I think our scarcity mentality comes from our genetic line. Because if you think about our parents, our parents were probably born during a war or right after a war or grandparents too, grandparents. And so that is intergenerational trauma that now we're, and she's like, that's why our generation is all about the hustle and grind because our right. grandparents didn't have any of that. And that's passed on through our parents and that's passed on to us. So we can't understand what a soft life or, or why a soft life is ideal or like why you even want it. And we think of this generation as lazy, but it's like, I feel like they are much wiser when it comes Wise. to this and yeah. we can't shake off our intergeneration trauma. And that's why we're grinding so hard. Yeah. When I hear soft life, I think of Tao. Yeah. It's way, way, way. <laughs> Right, exactly. Wu Wei. Wu Wei, yeah. Yeah. So, as much as nature is actually chaotic and people forget about that, when we're going downstream, that is a type of softness that is going with the Tao. And there's that wisdom in there that we know so well. So, I think that that's the, this younger generation is just on the return so much earlier. Yeah. Right. Because they weren't pulled away so far. Yeah. And yeah. at their peak, like the pandemic happened. So it's like they were forced to soften. Right. Right. Wow. All right, Tamsin, <laughs> these are such good conversations. <laughs> and I hope everyone else is enjoying them as much as the two of us are. So thanks again, everyone. And I'll see you again soon, Tamsin. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at beautyasabirthright and say hello. If you're interested in learning more about Taoist face reading, head over to elementalarchetypes.com and follow Dr. Tamsin on Instagram at elementalarchetypes. If you like to explore beauty through your own hands, 
you can visit youngface.com. You may also explore Paige's Instagram at young.face for tutorials, Chinese medicine theory, and candid thoughts on cultural appreciation.